0: Hello and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I'm your host, Lauren Burke.
1: And I'm your host, Hannah Chapman.
0: Yay! (laughs) Thanks for doing the um, intro to this episode with me.
1: That's totally okay.
0: (laughs) So this week on the uh, podcast, we are not... Uh, doing a versus theme
1: sorry austin fans
0: sorry bronte fans we are actually going to do our first interview
1: yeah why
0: well, say we i mean i
1: just lauren is doing it yeah because we didn't have a headphone splitter
0: well no this is because you were on a plane
1: Oh, is it that? Interview? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was in the air. We've
0: done so many podcasts, we can't keep oh, them I'm straight. So
1: sorry.
0: <laughs> Since um, Hannah is in Chicago right now, we're doing as many podcasts as possible, so it's all getting a little bit like timey wimey, wibbly wobbly.
1: Oh no, we're gonna have to re-record because I can't have a doctor Who joke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I refuse.
0: I'm going to try to fit in as many Doctor Who jokes from now until the end of this podcast.
1: I'm going to go straight in and uh, just introduce our guest for this week so that you can't put another one in. Fine, fine, go for it. Who are we talking to this week, Hannah? So this week we are talking to Rose Servatova, who is an award-winning Irish writer and lifelong Jane Austen fan. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that is a point for me, I think. Uh, when she is not writing, she works as a job coach for people with special needs and is involved with organising Limerick's Jane Austen Bicentenary Festival for 2017. Indeed. Uh, she lives in County Limerick in Ireland with her husband, Philip, and their two children, Laura and Charlie. And The Longborn Letters is her first novel and it is available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. It is. So if you're like really fast at reading, you yeah. could pause this episode go and buy it and then just read it
0: you can um and i highly recommend it too i really love this book it is an epistolary
1: yeah word yeah of the week.
0: word of the week word
1: of every single week
0: <laughs> so um it is an epistolary meaning it is told through letters we're going to talk about that a lot um, on next week's episode, which is Juvenalia, which we taped a few days ago. So, again, it's, it's very timey-wimey.
1: Oh, no. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, I highly recommend picking up this book. It, uh, it was like $1.99 on Amazon Kindle. Super cheap. Super worth it. Um, it is a story about Mr. Bennett and Mr. Collins. And those are two of my favorite characters in I Pride love and Prejudice. I I know. I really love Mr. Collins.
1: If I was Charlotte Lucas, I would snatch that up. I don't know what that means.
0: You know what that means. I
1: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to go ahead and jump into the interview and I hope you guys enjoy. Well,
2: for my day job, what I actually do is I work with people with um, disabilities, with intellectual disabilities. Mm-hmm. And... What I do is I'm a job coach and I do like active citizenship and advocacy and training and supported employment for people, um, special needs in the community. And um, it's a very rewarding job. It is, it is fantastic. And I suppose it's a great job, but also, you know, I think because it really suits the kind of organizer. And I know we'll be talking later on about the event organizing and stuff like that for the festival I'm hoping to organize this year. Mm -hmm. But like that really suits that side of me. But then there's the other side of me, which is, you know, much more creative and likes kind of going for walks and looking over ditches at cows and things like that. So that kind of, I suppose, side of me was was um, not being tended to for a long time. And yeah so then I suppose writing and that which is something I only took up recently enough so that really is is taking care of that side of things for me so
0: did you always want to be a writer or was it was it kind of like something in the back burner for a long time or just kind of happened recently
2: no I suppose as a child I'm one of seven children so I come from a large household you know and it was you know small wee cottage in Ireland kind of scenario Mm -hmm. and and we have an uncle with special needs that lives with us as well so there's 10 of us in a small house but even though I was always surrounded by, you know, company and cousins and, you know, obviously going to school and everything like that, I liked to be on my own reading quite a bit. If I could, um, escape at all, I was, that was how I liked to spend my days. And, you know, I was drawn when I think back now at when I was in school and I had to choose where I was going to go to university or college and that I do know that things like I was always, I suppose, struggling with the whole care side and the creative side. So I know I wanted to do. A journalism, but then I also wanted to do maybe be a social worker and anyway between the jigs and the reads I studied English literature and history mm-hmm. in the end. And um that actually put me off reading for at least fifteen years. I did not pick up a book mm-hmm. because I just stopped reading for enjoyment and I found I was just all books just seemed to be something I had to analyse and I just right. kind of just stopped reading really. And mm-hmm. um didn't do much writing and then I traveled the world and I think when I was I kind of felt like taking notes and maybe doing a journal Mm -hmm. when I was traveling and I love Bill Bryson and actually I have to say because again the kind of the short snappy the witty is kind of my style I do know that when you know when I travel I love travel books that are Exactly like that, witty yeah. and funny. And it's about the characters they meet and the things that go wrong and things that go right. And I had an awful lot of those experiences. I have said crazy things happened to me when I was away. So I took notes kind of when I was traveling because my memories weren't always very vivid. You know, I wasn't, um, I, I don't know why I just, I'd be someone then that would read back over something and say, Oh God, I forgot that it happened. So, um, so the, I suppose taking notes while traveling was about the only bit of writing I was doing for some time. Mm-hmm. So it's only about less than three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, that I decided to start writing a bit of creative writing. in that, so oh wow, that's where...
0: where were the places you were traveling? Just I'm out of out of curiosity. Here. Oh yeah, um,
2: I suppose you know I would have travelled a lot in, in in Europe, but actually I kind of went further afield first. Mm-hmm. So I travelled, let's say, India, Thailand, Laos, uh, Taiwan, Australia um ecuador and uh you know italy hungary pra- oh, nice. oh, um the nice. czech republic and just you know all around europe and yeah canada i was in canada for a month as well and just you know just quite quite a lot of um kind of far-flung places initially you're making and me then, jealous. yeah i don't know it's just i suppose i i really yeah i was a bit crazy for traveling actually and yeah. and um it's only in more recent years now, I have small kids in that. Um I remember we were, before I had kids, actually, my husband and I uh, were invited to Italy to a wedding. And I remember looking nearly down my nose at Italy because I was so used to going so far away. It was like, why would I go to Italy? It's practically on my doorstep. You know, I want to go so much further. But now it's a case of if I had one night away in a hotel two miles away, I wouldn't know myself. Because when you have kids, it just just takes away... um you just appreciate things more and I suppose maybe I didn't appreciate all my freedom when I had it and all that so it's just changing perspectives in that but it's yeah I'm delighted I traveled when I did I suppose yeah and I think the world was slightly safer at the time you know slightly you know less security and it was a little bit more relaxed yeah I traveled in Israel and Egypt and places like that as well and oh wow yeah 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 so you ever make it over here to America? Would you believe no I flew through <laughs> i true I flew through Newark, let's say when I was on my way to Ecuador Quito mm-hmm. um it was one of my places where I stopped and you know changed lights, I think I had to change lights twice actually on the way to Quito, but um no, I didn't, and I would have distant distant, distant well distant enough um relations in the United States mm-hmm. and my sister and I keep saying that we're going to go to New York at some stage. So, yeah, probably that probably would be my first trip to the United States is maybe next year going away for a couple of nights with her. Gotcha.
0: Um, yeah, so yeah. Now, now we're finally enough, my husband and I are trying to get back to Ireland next year. That's our goal. Really? Yeah. Wow.
2: When did you come to Ireland before?
0: Um, it was almost 10 years ago. Wow. It was the first time. It was my first international trip actually.
2: Oh, I and, like, and, oh. and how
0: long did you stay in Ireland? We were only there for uh, maybe eight or nine days, yeah. and yeah. So yeah. And so it's going to be a holiday when you
2: come back the next time, absolutely. Or visiting friends
0: or family. Or... yeah, um, you know, like he has distant relatives, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, it'll be a holiday for sure. All my travel this year is all like Jane Austen and Bronte no. related,
2: but <laughs> yes, 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 But yeah,
0: <laughs> who knows?
2: I might be whisked off to the united states of america myself if my book takes
0: off you yes. know all the right places, you never know <laughs> i think so i think so i mean the, the austin sequels yeah. over here are very very popular brilliant so brilliant. i think that's a definite possibility we'll see we'll keep an open mind keep the pa- i'll keep
2: the passport up to date anyway just to-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you should so for your first book like why did you decide hmm. to go that route because it does sound like you could have done a travel journal that would have been that would have been mm-hmm. awesome
2: yeah I could, and I can, and I might you never know but right. um right, okay, the thing with Austin is mm, you know people say to you right for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, you have a book in you, right, and I believe mm-hmm. yes, everyone does, and I actually believe everyone has probably several books in them, right, mm-hmm. but the thing is, people say you have a book in you, and you're there, and you can't like I literally could only write very short pieces and you know. Like flash fiction and stuff like that. So I was like so frustrated that people were saying that. But the thing was, at the back of my mind, I always had it that, like, like I love Austin. I love mm-hmm. Austin, I love Bronte's, but um, Pride and Prejudice probably would be a book. And that was my comfort blanket. And I hear a lot of people saying that, but it is so true. It's the one. Or, or, you know, the BBC adaptation is when, you know, you're having, you're feeling sick, you're under the weather, you have the hot water bottle, you have the duvet and you're on the couch and you're, yeah. you know, you yeah. break up with your boyfriend or so It's just, it's a comfort thing. You put it on and that's it. But, um so I've always, I have just a pure and utter appreciation for Pride and Prejudice and a love for it. And, you know. Pride of Prejudice's two hundredth anniversary, when it happened there a couple of years ago. I was actually quite I kind of said I'm annoyed with myself a little bit that if I was ever going to write anything longer than a short story, something it have it would have to be based on a subject I'm very familiar with and that I love very much. Um only because that would come easy to me, because I can't do toil and struggle. I'm not disciplined. Mm-hmm. I am not, you know, I just, it's a, it's a personality thing. Mm-hmm. And so it would have to be something that I'd enjoy and whatever. I am, I won't say I'm a quitter, but I'm someone that, um, you know, Jesus, just sorry for the bad, bad language
0: there. And oh now. no, you're talking
2: uh, <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> but, um, no, I kind of just felt, if you know, and now that I do have two young kids and I'm working full time and everything, I said, it's never going to happen if it isn't something that's short and sweet and something I enjoy in the doing and that I can piece together. And that was the format, which was that I could do each letter and just kind of pull them together instead of just looking at this mammoth task. Right. So when Pride and Prejudice, the 200th anniversary happened a couple of years ago, I was quite, I was kind of uh, a little tiny little thing of maybe disappointment or regret went off in the back of my mind. And I knew it wasn't the right time. I wasn't in the right place to write at that time. And mm-hmm. everything makes sense now that I'm. I am where I am. I look back at last year and the changes and the people I met and, and the things that opened up for me, and that that was the perfect time for me to write. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas a few years prior to that, but um, it had the intention had been maybe the diary of Mr. Collins. That okay. was kind of opposite the back of my mind for a long, long time. I suppose it wasn't even ever thinking it was going to become a reality. And again, I had self esteem issues that kind of made me think well, who do you think you are that would oh, sure. write a book? For? that you know would expect it to go out there and who would read it under yourself and your maybe your mom if you're very lucky and you know right um every every writer (laughs) yeah so it was like getting over all that and I I, you know last year there was a lot of things a lot of shifts and changes and probably just just different I was in a different frame of mind and I had to kind of be my own cheerleader a little bit more and I had to kind of grow maybe a bit stronger and a bit Mm -hmm. you know more confident, but also I was more relaxed in myself. So mm-hmm. that allowed me to just take it a bit, you know, don't take it so seriously. And I, and I just right. started. When I was was having coffee or having tea with a friend of mine, and uh, he's a writer and an entrepreneur, which is a great combination because you've got the creative and you've got to get up and go. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of these people that once you've had a cup of tea with them, you're going to just, you know, you're going to go out there now and climb a mountain, kind of right. thing. You know, yeah. You know the you start tacking your bucket list, so after that I said, "Look, I'll just go home and start it, and that's it, and I'll just make a start and that's what I did and um after that, then it just it the minute I decided to sit down and write mr the the diary of Mr. Collins after that conversation with a friend um the idea for the letters came instead. I just knew it was like the whole thing was in my head, and it just was waiting to be discovered and um but I had to make up my mind to sit down and do it. The minute I sat down and did it do, to do it, I realised that the diary would never work, even though that was what was going around in my head for maybe eight or ten years, mm-hmm. and that the letters would, because the contrast between the two men and the fact there were already four letters in Pride and Prejudice, it was just a matter of filling in the gaps and taking taking it from there. Yeah. Um. You know. So that was that.
0: Yeah. I. I love the contrast between the two characters. Those yeah. are two of my favorite characters, actually. And um, I love like sort of going back to what you said about Pride and Prejudice being like comfort food, because mm-hmm. that's what it is for me. I mean, it is one of my favorite books. It's definitely in the top five. And I reread it every year. And I watch, um, I mean, I love the Kira Knightley version to watch when I'm just like down and low. And oh, that's, good, a, yeah. that's a big point of contention between Hannah and I, my, my co host Yes. Why does she prefer the BBC version? It is. Oh, she does prefer the BBC version, absolutely. And then um, Pride and Prejudice, not her favorite Jane Austen, which okay, which we argue about quite often. But you know, that is interesting. It is. You see, when you
2: love Austen, and I'm sure the Brontes, but when you love Austen, it's incredible. You just any adaptation or anything, you have your Austen glasses on, and this is what really scared me about writing for an Austen group of people because i know if you meddle with someone's classics you meddle with someone's favorite you interpret a character slightly different or you call him a different name and i i had a bit of that now where someone you know might have said oh he would never have been called that or i never saw him doing that or doing this you know um Luckily, that that only kind of happened when I ran it by one or two people. But, like, since then, it's absolutely been the opposite. Responses that people can't believe how loyal I have been to the original yeah. and to their characters. It's just like I, I let them off to show us what was going on behind the scenes. But I, I kept true to their their personalities and to the timeline of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one did anything. Zombies didn't arrive in the middle of it or anything like that. Right. And um the funny thing is, and my comment to what you said there, Lauren, is that when you have your Austin glasses on, you don't miss a thing. And I bet you you're the same. If there's wallpaper in the background, if you watch something a thousand times, as most of us Austin fans do, you you don't miss anything. You don't miss the wallpaper, the mannerisms, what they're wearing, You just keep soaking it in and you never get tired of it. You just keep soaking it in, the music in the background. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you nearly find something different every time. Um, I found the Keira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. I'll be honest, she isn't my favorite Mm -hmm. actress in the whole world. I had to get over that. Um, But what I would say is I found it very earthy and it was a lovely earthiness, very down to earth. And I loved that. It was something that wasn't brought into other adaptations yes it really connects them with 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 um you know they're much more grounded and it's Mm -hmm. kind of their day-to-dayness i really loved that and at the dance and all that it's much more up in the air kind of you know everyone having a good time it's less formal. um so you miss nothing and i'm sure you're the same lauren you you don't miss a thing
0: oh for sure and that's what i kind of like find fascinating about it because So Hannah and I, you know, aside from doing this, we also write and we edit comics. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, like, in in comics, you're constantly reinterpreting, you know, different characters. Spider-Man has had a million different writers. And and so I think we kind of apply the same sort of, like, thought process to Austin and Bronte. And so when we're reading the Mm -hmm. adaptations, I I find it just really interesting to see how Mm -hmm. other people interpret things or, you know, what, what rings true for them. And yeah.
2: Yeah. It's funny, you see, first of all, you you made a great point that, like, I, I, why didn't I zone in on two other characters? Why wasn't it about this one or that one? Mm-hmm. Because for me, Austin did a uh, minor characters so brilliantly. Yeah. If you compare, if you don't mind me doing so, right? At um, Gene yeah. Eyre is another second, I would say Gene Eyre and Pride and uh, Prejudice are like neck and neck for me, like up at my top, you know. Top two books anyway, like, you know, mm-hmm. and the thing with Jane Eyre is that the major characters get all the attention and minor characters are really have, a, you know, they have a slight purpose in it, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, they're not very vivid and they're not entertaining in the sense of a comedy or anything. They're, they're, mm-hmm. Their purpose is to serve a purpose and it's, it's, you know, they're short and whatever. The love between Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester is so intense that the, the spotlight is them all the whole right. time. Whereas I find with Jane Austen, her minor characters could go off and have little adventures of their own um, mm-hmm. and that her minor characters are painted, even in a few sentences, so well and maybe there's humour there or there's quirkiness there or there's rottenness there, whatever it is, but it's, it's a few words and boom, it's like this minor character that's just, you know, you can just see their whole personality unraveled in front of you so
0: um yeah yeah absolutely so was, I'm 100% yeah. with you on that the Brontes the are very is, internal they're very internal yeah, and yeah absolutely. Jane is great at world building
2: yes and Jane had to be told in the first person because it's her mental processing of this passion and this angst and all that and that's mm-hmm. why do you know because I often thought about that because uh, what's in my head for a second book which might happen as a book or might not is mm-hmm. actually I've it could have to be in the first person because it's a lot more of an internal dialogue scenario so you know i was thinking could i do it any other way and i said well no you can't because if it's going to be this personal telling their story you know so
0: right oh now i'm excited so okay so you're thinking about a second book you've actually like you're, you're like over this hurdle of like actually putting this out there no, you've gotten- I- <laughs> Well, something, do you know what? Talk about going from
2: nothing to like, you know, something. I suppose there was a little bit of trust happening with when I was writing the Longbourn Letters. Again, I I took myself a lot less like I, I took myself a lot less seriously than I often do. Mm-hmm. I was in a very good place. I just kind of plodded along with it and, you know, had a laugh. I was laughing the whole way through it. Mm-hmm. And it it wrote itself in a very, very short period of time, you know, which and it didn't need a huge amount of editing. It was just easy and relaxed and you know, light and I didn't take too much too hard you know to mm-hmm. heart in that. But while I was writing it, um a section of it, or a subplot I suppose you'd say, took off in my head and mm-hmm. I actually wrote down I started jotting notes down. Um a totally a kind of a different tone, totally different tone actually, but at the same time worthy of a story. And interestingly, I know of a real life scenario similar that happened back in the 20s and I was kind of saying will I set it in the 20s or will I you know based on the real life scenario or will I run with my own kind of Austin era and I think I would go with my own Austin era mm-hmm. and maybe read about the the situation from the 20s and let that inform whatever I'm talking oh, yeah. as if I'm a writer here by the way Lauren I ain't a writer like you, know what you, you, mean? you are a, a writer talking, like, well I am but you know it just still feels weird to be even talking about stuff like that like as I say before I couldn't even write a short story now I'm already talking about a second book but um well,
0: you are a writer I mean you know so again like you know my outside job is as an editor and I talk to a lot of women about like sort of imposter syndrome and I have a lot of people that'll say I'm not a writer I mean I've written a book but you know no but you yes. but you are you you committed yeah that's the thing it's oh, on the page it's done it's yep. out there you're putting yep. yourself yep. out there that's the biggest hurdle yes It is true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is. And it only gets easier.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, the hardest is, like, I genuinely believe the hardest is behind me. I did feel like I was coming out Mm -hmm. telling people that I had written a book. I choked on the words. I kept it secret from everyone. Mm -hmm. I, you know, was expecting. I had so many conversations in my head with how people would judge me and all this sort of thing. And the reality was people were so much so supportive so brilliant Mm -hmm. so gunning for me and it really was an amazing experience so like yeah I was my own kind of um I'm so glad I just pursued with it anyway you know and just found out you know that it wasn't it wasn't the horrible you know no and it's having to disappear you know shrinking away into myself kind of but no put it. it made me stronger
0: I have to say, it's um, it's a great book too. It's super enjoyable. I am halfway through. I haven't finished. Oh, for Lauren. But when what, I, you. <laughs> what I, what I, but I did love is I had this like crazy busy weekend, and because of the yeah. letters format, you are able to read like two or three letters, yeah, and then yeah. I was yeah. on a train and getting off a train, you know, yeah, like that sort of thing. Perfect.
2: So it's, I think it's actually a perfect. Uh, one or two friends of mine were heading on on flights that are two, three hours long. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest, you'd actually read it. You, you know, you would read it really. It's a, it's it's very easy to go through it. It's quite a short read. It's not like a mammoth read. Yeah. um It is quite. And it's also like we said, oh, yeah, I'm going on holidays. And I do think it is perfect for that. It you is know. perfect. It's, it's also- how it was written. Not to mind how it's read. That's how I wrote it, you know, as well. Literally just picking it up, throwing in a few letters here, throwing, throwing in a few letters there. And it, it made it, you know, you can stop and start, you know, pick it up again.
0: Yeah, it's perfect. I um also you have the voices down so well that I think this would be a great piece. Like, if there's any aspiring actors out there who want to like, oh. someone takes Mr. Collins, someone takes Mr. Yeah. Bennett, and reads well, back and forth, I would love, yeah. I would love to see that happen.
2: Well, do you know what I would love to see hmm. is it on the screen, televised or something. Because yes. I am not a visual person, really, not mm-hmm. a hugely. But I'm more an empath and I, I feel, oh, my God, I feel everything. I cry every day, I think, you know, with stories and hearing this and hearing that. And I, t- I totally embrace that now. And I realize that an awful lot of writers are empaths as well. Mm-hmm. But when I was writing this, and I think it's why I laughed out loud so often when I was writing it, is that I could see it the whole time and yeah. the two characters. It was so fun and it was so easy to just literally go from one. Head from inside one head over to the inside the other. I just don't know how it was so easy, but it was. I could just totally hear the reactions that one would have to the other, the horror and the indignation maybe of Mr. Collins, you know, and then Mr. Bennett kind of totally taking the Mickey, then like you know. So it was, yeah. It was quite a visual, right?
0: Do you have actors in your head as you write? So I always have actors Uh in my head as I write and as I read as well. So I I have casted. I've cast this novel, but you go first.
2: Yeah. Do you want my, the, the fan casting? Do you want that? Now? Yes,
0: I do. I'm so yes. curious. Okay.
2: okay. Okay. Well, I didn't actually have, um I didn't have characters like, as you're saying, right. Okay. I'm going to give you them now in a minute because I've thought about them since what mm-hmm. I did before I wrote the book. Right. I went, now you're going to hear how cracked I am. Right. Mm-hmm. first of all, the two guys that play them um, in the BBC adaptation, right? Mr. Bennett mm-hmm. and Mr. Collins from the BBC one. Mm-hmm. I had pictures cut out of them before I started writing the book. Perfect. And I placed, glued them onto card, and I carried them around with me everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I've lost one of them since. I actually was in Dublin and I had the two of them and I don't know, one of them fell out of my book or whatever and I've only got one now, but <laughs> that was what I was doing. And they were my kind of like... They were my inspiration. If I looked at them, because I caught them at a, really at a moment, the picture I picked was of them in a moment of how I see them at their most witty, if it's Mr. Bennett, and at most ridiculous, Mr. Collins. Mm-hmm. And those were the two images that I held on to while I was writing. I also did crazy things like drink real tea out of China, hung around in Georgian hotels, went oh, yeah. for walks in walled gardens, and just feel the environment is so important because if i was in a loud aggressive environment if i was trying to write while um do you know what i mean yeah for sure writing writing something based on pride and prejudice while drinking a but you know a can of coke just doesn't make sense i was drink, Mm -hmm. i do drink a lot of tea anyway but i actually really did get into the whole you know i'm going to make out of tea leaves now i'm going to make real tea and Mm -hmm. i was going to Um I have certain clothes I wear. Like and it's not like period things, but like I have a little brooch and I have a little sometimes it just kind of got into the atmosphere a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because I I just kind of brought me there faster, I suppose, or listened to there was certain there's certain piano music, classical Mm. music I was listening to as well. Now let's go back onto the fan casting. Okay, since you asked me the question, Mm -hmm. I have had for Mr. Bennett, I have Stephen Fry or you Laurie. Right. Oh, if nice. You know, nice. Well, Stephen Fry, because no one, he's just a genius when it comes to delivering punchy lines. Mm-hmm. He has that authoritative kind of orderly aspect. He's he has a presence and he delivers dry, witty humor very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugh Laurie played what was the name of the character? Now he was in um, Sense and Sensibility, Mister yeah. Palmer. Mm-hmm. And in that, um, he delivers those lines very well as well. Um I think he's very good. And those, you know, I'd be happy with either of those guys. Oh, That's yeah. Mr. Bennett. Um Mr. Collins, then. Luckily for me, I had not seen Wit Stillman's Love and Friendship before I finished the book. I'm so glad I didn't, because Tom Bennett, who plays Sir James Martin in mm-hmm. Love and Friendship, is so brilliant that it would have totally messed up my mr collins because he just plays it so well and he you know the blithering idiot bit comes out quite well Mm -hmm. and i think i would have changed mr collins just purely based on having watched it i just Mm -hmm. think not i wouldn't have intended to but i just think i would have been influenced too much by it so i would actually think tom bennett would make a fantastic mr collins i think he would be brilliant um i've seen him in other things other than love and friendship and i think he's startlingly brilliant actually Um, now there's only another two or three characters I'll I'll, I'll mention Mm -hmm. Um, Mary Bennett gets a little bit more story in my book than she does in Pride and Prejudice Mm -hmm. and the person I have in mind who I think is stunningly beautiful is um, Laura Carmichael and now she plays Lady Edith Crawley
0: in Downton Abbey I love Laura Carmichael I'm uh, obsessed with
2: her yeah she is a brilliant actress she is beautiful and there's a depth to her that i i think is needed for mary bennett and i think she would be brilliant um mr jenkins who's a brand new character who who is in my book um he actually only appears about halfway through so i don't know if you've come across him yet or not but mr jenkins there's a depth to him too and even though he's a minor character I would have the actor Killian Murphy, who's an Irish actor. He's in um, Peaky Blinders oh, and yes. he's been he's been—he's playing the villain in movies. And sometimes he's the good guy. He's got these crazy blue eyes and he's just, you know, he's a—he's an amazing actor as well. Mm-hmm. And there is, again, as I say, a depth to Mr. Jenkins. Um, subtle and we don't see a whole pile of him, but it's important to nail that one. And the final one, Lady Catherine de Bourgh totally confused because I thought she was the lady that played her in the BBC adaptation was amazing. Mm hmm um the Keira Knightley version was uh Judy Dench wasn't it it was and yeah and I mean she's good but maybe she's very um like I think once is enough for her to play you know what I mean yeah like, yeah for sure I don't know sure. I have, kind of have a different persona in my head now obviously people like Maggie Smith are stunning and amazing in Downton right. Abbey you know as um violet crawley and that but i actually have a really and i don't know where this came out of but joanna lumley came into oh, my head <laughs> <I> <laughs> as would... an amazing lady catherine de Bourgh. and i don't know why i just think she again would pull off
0: lines there's a fieriness there well joanna and... lumley like makes me laugh like no one else yeah. like yeah absolutely she's
2: brilliant and i know we probably have her set in one or two roles and i mean i've seen her in documentaries and other things, there's a few only a few roles I've seen her in. Obviously, um the Ab Fab and all that. But mm-hmm. I actually think Joanna Lumley would make a great Cat- Lady Catherine de Bourgh, or someone with a deep voice, someone who's quite you know Lady Bracknellish out mm-hmm. of Oscar Wilde. You know, someone who's yeah. quite um, commanding, yeah, commanding of sure. the attention and centre stage. So that's mine. Well, I'm dying to hear what your ones are.
0: Oh my gosh! I mean, now I'm just like really blown away by Joanna Lumley because she is like very commanding. So yeah, I want to be on board with that one. Like I was thinking, yeah. very prestige, <laughs> like Helen Mirren. But that I really, yeah. I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so for Mister Bennett in my head when I'm reading, it is um, it's all Roger Allam to me. I don't know if you know right. Roger Alum. <laughs> um, he's an endeavor right now as uh thursday is his character he's been right. in uh, the thick of it so yeah he just and he's yes, also i'm going to google him now as you speak yes please <laughs> he's on, a great well he's a you know shakespearean actor but he also is an amazing like improver and he just and he's got an amazing voice and he can just oh my god did you know him i yes. see him now yeah amazing yeah i up that yes so, very good roger alum is my mr bennett my dream cast yes. for him yes and this is so terrible this is so so terrible but i'm gonna say it i love tom hollander as mr collins i love him i know he's already been i know he's already been mr collins but i want more of him
2: yes i agree i thought he was amazing actually he's just uh
0: he's he's his interpretation
2: was amazing yeah 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 I, i do agree with that now i will agree with that but i think the two toms would have to fight it to the bitter end they will they Tom will and Tom yeah
0: <laughs> we'll to, or flip a coin or something like that i'll okay. um i'll put it up on uh at bonnets at dawn on twitter i'll do a little side by side versus so they can, yeah exactly they can fight it out yeah good idea which okay. you know i'd love to see but yeah so people need to get on that they need to adapt this novel mm. i'd watch it have I'm you anyone sleep
2: to Catherine de Bourgh?
0: i know like now i really want i mean i was thinking of how Hel- like i always do think of helen mirren when yeah. i do want someone yeah. who's just like intimidating and sly yeah. and commanding yeah. um yeah. but yeah no, I it's the Sigourney weaver now that we're talking about it i mean i will watch the Gourney weaver and anything
2: uh there we go now so yeah. great i actually do love helen mirren too though no they can wrestle it out as well
0: yeah those two yeah they can fight that one out uh, Be great yeah. they both be brilliant mm. I love this version. I need someone to produce this right now, (laughs) basically. I could play fan casting all day with like every single um, Austin adaptation, to be honest with you. Um, So tell me about this festival, because I feel like that should be an event that you guys do.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. The Jane Austen uh, 200 Limerick, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. from this part of Ireland called Limerick, Mm -hmm. and it has an amazing Georgian heritage. Now, we haven't done anything by way of a festival specifically for the Georgian side of things. And I always had it in my head. Again, now, first of all, my own background. I have, like, qualifications in stage management and fundraising and event management, things like that. And I organized one of the organizers for the Bloomsday Festival a long time ago, which is in Dublin for James Joyce and all that. So I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. I love project managing and event managing and stuff like that. Now, I'm not doing it primarily in my current job there be little aspects of kind of, and I'm on committees and I'm on different things like that to kind of make things happen. So, but this was something I always had in the back of my head. What a great city for, we have the largest Georgian quarter outside of Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have connections with Jane Austen in that Tom Lafroy, who was her apparent love, mm-hmm. is, was born in Limerick. That's another thing. Then Imran Buell-Downig, who is, um, you know, a very well-known Hollywood costume period costume designer is from Limerick you know, and studied in Limerick School of Art and Design and she is um she worked on Becoming Jane. That was oh. she was the head uh costume designer for that and Love and Friendship. So not only that but she did other uh, period thing um either theatre or screen like Brideshead had revisited Withering Heights um The Wind that Shakes Barley that sort of thing. So that's her forte and she'd be very sought after. And she's amazing and she's from Limerick as well and she studied in Limerick. So there was these little things. And then there's all these other, I can't even tell you, like all these other Georgian connections and Georgian, very vibrant um, Georgian groups and historians and all this sort of thing. And uh, we have this amazing, where I actually wrote a lot of the book, was in a, a fantastic hotel called Number One Perry Square, on, it, right in the Georgian quarter. And um yeah, just like it's this hotel that just was revamped, you know, totally renovated restored and brought back to its absolute beauty and glory and it's a fantastic um, area and it's got a beautiful drawing room and afternoon tea and all that so it was about organizing all that sort of thing initially in my head i kind of said okay please would someone organize this and then we've just come out of a we're just coming out we're not still quite out of a recession but limerick itself is starting to thrive and it's got a very um arts and creative um community and it's really just exploding really is is what it is. And also commercially and, and everything, investment in the area, it's all picking up and it will pick up and it's destined to pick up and a lot of very dedicated people to see it through. So it just seemed like a much better time. Here I was writing this book. It all just kind of fed into each other. And next right. thing I could see all these cities all over the world with, you know, and I, I'm not knocking them, I think it's amazing. Just, really, I was so impressed. It's all these cities who either had no Georgian history, let's say background or buildings or heritage, or connection with jane austen and they were throwing themselves into jane austen's bicentenary and i was like oh come here i'm gonna start doing this over here so it was only meant to start as like an afternoon tea event with a talk about the history about tom lefroy and where he was born and he's you know all that sort of thing and jane austen and tom lefroy and then we have fantastic irish historical costumers as well another group who again would give a talk on regency costume and they you know they do dance routines and stuff like that but um you know so I was like, okay, we'll just start with this. We'll just do one event, an afternoon tea plus talks and all that sort of thing. But next thing through word of mouth and whatnot, I was getting, you know, there was theatre and there was, there was all these, a show coming to here and this was coming there and just all connected to Austin, connected to architecture, screen, literature. It was, it was just, it's just there. I'd be a fool not to try and facilitate it. So I'm just curating it. So Mm -hmm. the whole point is that each, um, You know, I'm bringing people together, basically. So there could be a venue like a theatre and there is someone who does, you know, Regency workshops about uh, life in the big house and how a lady got ready for the day and has all the costumes and is in costumes themselves, talks through all that. So on Culture Night, which is happening in September, that particular venue, the host, will have that particular person presenting a workshop that evening. So it's it's kind of like dotted from July right to, through to December with lots of different events. Emery okay. Downing the period costume designer from that I mentioned that worked in the movies, she's going to be going back as a visiting lecturer to her former school and speaking to students about um you know period costume for movies and she then that evening we're hoping to have um, an evening with in the drawing room of the hotel I mentioned and basically there she again she will have costumes from uh, Love and Friendship there, she's going to meet with, with people from all over Ireland who said they want to be there who work in theatre, who are Jane Austen fans or you know all sorts of backgrounds want to come and meet with Emer and, and to hear what she has to say so it's kind of everything, it's going right across, it's the music we have the World Academy of Music in Limerick and you know I'm hoping to link in with them as well about um do you know, just to make sure that all the disciplines and all the, the yeah. areas are covered, really. Um, and I don't have to go far. I don't have to go far. It's there already. It's happening in Limerick. And all I'm trying to do is just bring people together. And what I'll do then is promote it so that people, other people are aware of it and might want to come and, you know, go go to this or they might want to go to the show or they might want to go to the afternoon tea event or, you know, a screening of a movie or something like that. So that's amazing. That.
0: I want to go. <laughs> Yes, you I'm like mine. sitting here thinking, well, like, what, what do I have going <laughs> on from J- July to September?
2: Yeah. Like <laughs> squeeze can, in a trip. We not- yes, we will, for God's sake. We surely be to God can make a pit stop in Shannon on the way. And that's a handy thing as well, that we are quite, you know, we're half an hour from Shannon Airport. and things mm-hmm. like that. So it is. And we I've actually received international like as in interest from people who were in the Jane Austen Regency world who are, you know, based in the UK or something, you know, wanting to come or wanting their show to come or wanting to give Mm a talk at it and again as i say i have not put a call out so this is pure word of mouth um yeah
0: so it's amazing how that happens in this community like i just set up a twitter and then just suddenly met a a bunch of amazing people like yes it's crazy it's crazy how the jay knights find you
2: yeah and the funny thing is it's a very do you know what it is? It's like being a Trekkie and I know this was being, yes. this is often said, right? So I've heard that, and I thought that was exactly it. The only thing is that Jane Austen people tend to. You know, it's more insular. You're more, it's more a case of, oh, I, you know, I like going for walks in walled gardens and big country estates and things like that. But, And, you know, and I love reading Jane Austen, you know, but you're often sharing this, you know, keeping it to yourself, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you're just going about your life and you're reading your bit of Jane Austen, you're watching your movie and that's it. Next thing, something like this festival happens, you should see people are nearly jumping on me, like, you know, or their eyes are lighting up. And I know, you know, they're like... We need, you know, it's almost like a form of expressing yourself is to oh, come yeah. out and, say, I'm sure. and meet a room full of other people with the exact same passion and, um, exc- and get excited about the same things and
0: the gadgets and the, you know, the paraphernalia and the talks and all that. So, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, it's great, yeah. It's amazing. I love the community. Are you part of, like, Jane Austen Society of Ireland, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. Yes. We only have, I mean, the Society's running a a number
2: of years now, and it's a fantastic lady, uh, Michelle Burroughs, her name is, and fair play to her. She set it up Mm -hmm. and is, you know, has put in huge effort and got great speakers, amazing people to Ireland um, for the last number of years. Every event was booked out, and, you know, always had a great show. So there was obviously yes a keen keen interest and then there's local groups as well like those court friends of jane austen and you know that sort of thing so um supporting each other and getting together and sharing their love of her literature and and that and who thankfully have reached out to me and said we you know we can't wait to support the festival and we'll come up for this or we'll come up for that and yeah i feel i'm feeling really supported i think if the first person that I went to had closed the door in my face. I, you know, I just said, oh God, this isn't going to work out. Why am I drawing on myself? I'm doing it like it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just doing it for love of Jane and and that. But the reality was, it was like so many venues and so many um, hosts and and artists and creative people and all this, they're all Georgian related or somehow uh, just every one of them has been amazing. No one has... Been even negative or in any shape or form everyone has moved mountains kind of saying yes absolutely you know or they're taking a risk or you know yeah or,
0: I can yeah. imagine it's crazy but, like you know when Hannah and I were talking about doing this podcast and this book I was just like oh god this is yeah. something we like to argue about <laughs> as friends will anyone care <laughs> yeah. who can you know will they even care will they read it and then yeah. I've been shocked by how supportive yes. and you know yeah. interested everyone is and um Yeah. It's crazy. And I just, and I'm trying to like get to the bottom of it too. Like, what is it about Jane's work that just people just, what are they, what is everyone responding to grabbing on to, I guess?
2: Yeah. What is it? Well, you know, it is, oh my God, I wish Niall McMonigal was here now because he's a Jane Austen expert here in Ireland. He's doing radio shows and he was explaining this, what is it about Jane Austen? And it's just, it is a kind of a form of genius, really. And it's her ability to capture people. And it it is the big themes. Like, even though there were kind of local things going on and, there, you know, you could get down to the nitty gritty like some books do, but she doesn't. She keeps it to the kind of universal themes. Mm-hmm. But it's her genius for character. She's really not going to describe the sunset. And she is not going to describe a mountain mm-hmm. or, you know, go into incredible detail about, I mean, Elizabeth Bennet, like, how does she look? Yeah, do we know, right. Like do, do, you know, you know, I'm thinking of BBC Jane uh, Elizabeth Bennett, Someone else could be thinking of Keira Knightley. It doesn't matter because it was never described, um, you know, hugely. She doesn't right. go into such detail. It's kind of just it's about the personality. It's about what goes on in their lives. It's about relationships between everyone. And it's about, you know, what were the pressing issues at the time of that. So it is incredible. And I, I think she's amazing. And, and I just because I'm inspired to see it here now as well. Jane Austen, in my opinion, was written for men and women yeah i think she's incredible um i do believe that a lot of probably the writing since then because it's romance or erotic or supernatural or whatever like that especially maybe with the romance and that that men may be shied away or pulled away because i knew a few men who were big jane austen fans who kind of nearly didn't see it you know it's like mm-hmm. they'd have to pretend they are into you know steinbeck and whatever and then they might just slip it in under the radar then oh and i love jane austen but um it was very, very, very important to me. That's why the title is exactly as it is. The Longbourn letters, the correspondence between Mr. Collins and Mr. Bennet. This is not; these are not love letters. That the right. Longbourn letters are not the letters between Darcy and Elizabeth or any other character. They're about
0: letters between two men. So, uh, what do you think of that interview? It's my first time.
1: I mean, it was good, but mm-hmm. if I never hear Roger Allen's name again, it will be too soon. Like.
0: You know, I love Roger Allen, and it is my lifelong mission to see him cast as Mister
1: Bennett. I mean, good luck with that.
0: Thank you. I'm going to tweet at him. If you guys would like to tweet at him as well, let's just like make it happen. You know, I think it's at
1: Lauren loves Roger (laughs) Allen.
0: (laughs) I mean, side note, I saw him at the Globe once. And in that show was also the kid that plays Merlin, Colin, oh something. Gosh.
1: Is that his name? Anyway. Another person I don't want to hear Yeah. About. <laughs> so
0: that guy, um, everyone was there and they were, like, catcalling Colin.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, I was like, like telling that's...
1: him that he's a rubbish actor or telling him to take off his clothes.
0: Like, take off your clothes, which is at the Globe, which I think is, you know... Yeah. It's not right, guys. Like, I have some respect for theatre. But then I was like,
1: woo, Roger Allen! And he was like, see me in my dressing room lady no everyone
0: just looked at me like stop
1: Uh, stop did you then have to put your knickers back on because you're about to throw them on the stage i
0: did i did i did and that's why i can't go to the globe theater anymore
1: wow you Mm -hmm. and me both mate
0: (laughs) anyway (laughs) um i loved having rose on the podcast she was so awesome i hope she comes back because i really really want to hear more about um the jane austen limerick yeah, and I really want
1: to know how the festival goes. Yeah,
0: and um if you guys want to keep up with the festival, you should go to the Facebook page. Just type in Jane Austen 200 Limerick and uh like that and you'll, you know, be up to date. Also, if you want to uh follow Rose and you can get some updates that way, her Twitter handle is just her name, Rose Servetova, so it's R O S E S E R V I T O V A.
1: And our Twitter handle is bonnets at dawn. If you want to get in contact, leave us a review, send us some photos of Roger Allen for Lauren to look at, anyone else for me to look at. That'd be great. Yeah. And yeah. it's the same on Instagram.
0: It's the same on Instagram. Um, and also our hashtag that we kind of have ownership over is has- hashtag austin versus bronte so yeah, use it. that we own it i'm just saying we own it that's aggressive
1: i think yeah. someone's gonna come up on the hashtag war i'm scared well i'll fight him <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't care you guys have been using hashtag team austin and team bronte though when you tweeted us
1: which i love everyone just uses hashtag team austin because we're the winners. no they've actually been
0: uh, using team bronte so uh yeah. yeah thanks guys thank you very much so next week on the podcast we are going to talk about the juvenilia. It is a funny one.
1: Is it? Yeah. Oh, no. I felt sway after recording it. That's for sure. I know it's
0: it's a lot, guys. A lot. So um, yeah, tune in next week at Tuesday, and we hope to hear from you. Bye, guys. Bye.